Number two, and as you're turning there, I'm going to get rid of some of these jitters, amen? Uh, and I, I fought and fought and fought, and I went back and forth over many messages that I had, and uh, I, I wholly believe all the way up until Sunday, I believe, I thought for sure I was going to be preaching on the power of one, uh, and then our pastor brought that message on one. I thought, well... Maybe that wasn't the direction the way the Lord wanted me to go. And the uh, preacher said, well, I didn't get to finish mine, so maybe you can finish it up, you know. Maybe you got some thoughts that I didn't have down. And I said, well, we'll see, you know. So we prayed about it, and I kept looking over that and couldn't get peace over that. And then I thought, man, oh, man. The Lord started giving me some thoughts on little as much when God is in it. And I thought, yes, man, that'll preach. Oh, that'll preach. But I couldn't get peace on it. I'm telling you, <laughs> not, not getting peace all the way up until Tuesday night. <laughs> when you preach on Wednesday, uh, you're talking about being a nervous wreck and everybody in my house walking on eggshells because they know daddy is stressed out like, Lord, I need something. Help me, Lord. Uh, but the Lord directed me. And, I, and I've had this in my, I've had some out, I always take a lot of notes. I got lots of three by five cards. You can ask my wife, I got stacks of three by five cards when the Lord just gives me a little thought or I'll be talking with somebody conversing and the Lord just gives you that little nugget and it's like, oh, that'll preach right there. And I'll, I'll take a note down and just kind of put it to the back. And, and, and I happen to just think with our church and everything that's going on, this, this, everything that's taken place over the past few weeks, and things that are going to be taking place the next coming weeks. And the Lord just directed me right here. Second Kings in chapter number two is a very familiar story. It's a very familiar story for many of us. We've heard it preached and from all different directions. And I just want to bring another message tonight out of second Kings chapter number two on who will pick up the mantle. And in this story here, you'll see in just a moment as we'll, we'll go through it and we'll, we'll dissect it and break it down as we'll work our way through Second uh, Kings chapter number two. We'll work our way all the way through that chapter. And as we do just that, I want to encourage the church with this message tonight. I want to challenge the church tonight uh, with this specific message on who will pick up the mantle. And uh, I won't, I won't uh, we can stand, we'll, we'll stand for just a moment. I won't read all the scripture tonight if you can stand uh, as we read the scripture tonight. I won't read it all, but we'll, let's read just a little bit together uh, and we'll work our way down through here in just a moment. We'll kind of break it down and go through what the Lord has given unto me. But beginning in verse number one, you see in second Kings chapter number two. Beginning in verse number one, and it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah, and Elijah said unto Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me unto Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, catch his phrase now, as the Lord liveth. And as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. Verse number three, and the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. Verse number four, and Elijah said unto him, Elisha, once again, tarry here, 
I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elijah and uh, came to Elijah and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered again, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here. You see the same repetition going on, right? I hope you're catching on to these phrases that are being said tonight. And Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And, verse number 7, And fifty men of the sons of prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither so that they too went over on dry ground. And verse number nine, and it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elijah, ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elijah said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Verse number 10, and he said, thou ask, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if that, if thou see me when I am taken up from thee, it shall be unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. Verse number 11 is where we'll finish. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked. I want you to catch that phrase. That behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. I want to preach tonight on this simple subject here, who will pick up the mantle? You already kind of get a good gist of where we're going, but hang on with me. Amen. Don't get the cart before the horse just yet. You pray with me one more time. You can be seated. Let's pray. And then we'll jump right into it. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray, Lord, that you'd help me once again. Lord, give me that fresh touch from on high. God, I need you tonight, Lord, to flow through me. Lord, I cannot do this in my own strength and I do not want to do it in my own strength. God, I want you to help me tonight. I want you to help your people tonight through your word. And I pray, God, that you would help me give it unto them as you've given it unto me. I pray, Lord, that you would help us tonight open our eyes and open our ears unto your precious holy word. Lord, do a work that only you can do. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. And amen. So we see here uh, Elijah, a, a great man of God, as he is traveling here, and he has a traveling companion named Elijah. And when you read these stories, sometimes you, you get the names mixed up, and it's like Elijah, or is it, was it Elijah? And a little bit different pronunciations, amen. Uh, but as you're reading down through here, and as I began to think about our church and what we've been going through and, and what we need as a church body together, and the Lord directed 
directed me to this specific story, I believe, for a specific person that is here tonight. I don't know who it is that needs this specific message or the challenge tonight, but nonetheless, this is where we are, and I want you to get something from it tonight. And as we see here, as we just read the first 10 verses here, we see Elijah and Elisha, and they're doing some traveling. They, You see in verse 1, and it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind. So we see that where his ending point was going to be was a whirlwind on his way up to heaven. And Elijah knew this. And Elijah, the one traveling with Elijah, knew this. He knew the end point. Everywhere where they stopped, Bethel, Jordan, Jericho, everywhere they stopped, and Elijah would say, Terry, ye here, I'm going over here. The Lord has told me to go here. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm not leaving your side. I'm not leaving your side. I'm not leaving you alone. I want to go. I want to go with you all the way until the end. I'm going to go all the way until the end. So before we even get down to to verse number 9, whenever Elijah would ask him the question, what would you have me to do, right? What do you want? What would you have me to do? Before we even get down to that point, I want you to see something here tonight. And we we find right here in in 2 Kings chapter number 2, we find the miraculous, this miraculous part of history of the story of Elijah being taken up into glory and the transfer of power and authority from one generation to the next. We see a miraculous transformation, a handing down, if you would, of a baton or a handing down, if you would, of God's power from one person to another. God unmistakably here is teaching a lesson not only to Elijah, but us today as we read the scriptures. You see, this lesson that God is teaching is that He wants to do greater things with each generation than what He has done in the previous generation. However, in order for the next generation to do uh, these greater things uh, that He wants us to do, we first must seek God's face and experience God for ourselves. You see, it's great that, that, that Elisha was able to be with Elijah. It's great for them to be together, and it's great for Elijah to be with him through this journey and being able to travel and talk and walk with him. But you see, it comes down to the point where Elisha wants it for himself. He wants what Elijah had, but he wants it even more. He said, give me that double portion, as we'll read here in just a moment. But we see, before you even get down to verse number nine, there was a process. There was a process that was taking place. And that'll take us to our first point. I don't think I'll be long tonight. I'll do my best. Number one, very quickly, we see the process. We see the process. And how many of you realize that in order for you to go from one place to another, it's a process? Uh, We just can't snap our fingers or teleport ourselves there, although that would be amazing to be able to just pop up here at church and then, all right, when it's time to go home, you're at home in a second. But we understand that there's a process. There's a there's something that has to take place. First, you have to decide in your mind that you actually want to go from here to there. Let's bring it down bottom shelf, all right? Hang on with me. If I want to go from right here out those doors, I first have to make up my mind that that's what I want to do. Secondly, the the second step of this process is that you have to put action to it. You got to get up. I can't just go through that door sitting still, can I? If I sit down in that chair and say, I'm going to go through that back door, and I sit here all night long, guess where I'm going to be tomorrow morning? In that chair. 
Very simply put, there's a process that takes place. First, you have to make up in your mind, I want to go through that door. Secondly, we see action has to, action, you have to get up. You have to physically stand up. You have to move, right? Number three, simply put, putting one foot in front of the other, aiming yourself toward the goal that you want. If I want to go through that door and I start walking that way, I'm not going to get to the door, am I? No. Keeping your eye on the prize and walking forward to where you want to go. You're in goal. We all set goals in our lives. We set financial goals. We set, uh, you know, uh, uh, material goals as far as we want this type of house. We want this. And we want. So we set goals. In order to accomplish those goals, we first have to make up in our mind and then put action to it and then move forward looking at that goal and going forward. And that's what we see right here with Elijah and Elisha. There is a process that is being taken place. Look at verse number two again. And Elijah said unto Elisha, tarry here. I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me unto Bethel. Elijah tells Elijah, the younger servant there that was with him, stay here, tarry here. The Lord is telling me to go to Bethel. But Elijah's response, and he said unto him, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they too went down to Bethel. They make it to this place of Bethel and look down at verse number four. Once again, we see it again. Elijah say unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And notice the response once again. Catch these phrases and catch, catch these responses. And, and he said, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. Fast forward one more, two more verses down. Verse number six, we see it again. Elijah saith unto him, tarry here, I pray thee here. Tarry, tarry here, I pray thee, uh, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. Time and time and time again, Elijah, this great man of God, has instructed or pleaded with, I pray this, a plead if you would, hey, these people can use you here. You can do a great ministry work here. But he said, no, 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 no. I know the end result. I know where you're going and I know the end result is that you're going to be taken away from me. But get this, Elijah wanted what Elijah had. But get this, he didn't want to leave his side all the way until the Lord would call him into heaven by the whirlwind. Why? Because he wanted to get as much as he could while he could. Too many times, I believe, we take advantage of this thing called time and this thing called life. We think, oh, there'll be another day. Oh, there'll be another Sunday. There'll be another message that I'll get to hear next week. There'll be this I'll get to do next week. But see, the Bible reminds us very plainly and very clearly that we don't know when our last chapter is going to be. We don't know when we'll draw our last breath. We don't know when we will be taken out of this world. And Elijah realized something here, that he had to stick with the man of God, that he had to cling unto Elijah, and he wanted to glean as much as he could. He, he says, no, 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 you don't understand. I know they could probably use me here, but right now what you have, the knowledge that you have, and, and the wisdom that God has given you, I'm going to follow you until the end, because I want what you have. You see, there's a, there was a process that was taking place as they would travel from Bethel, from Gilgal unto Bethel, and, and then as they would make their way down to Jericho and then to the Jordan, as they would go to each one of these places, Elijah would say, Terry, here, the Lord's calling me over here. And he says, no, 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 hey, hey, hey as long as you're living, hey, I'm going with you. 
I'm going with you all the way to the end. And I believe that was the test, if you would, to see if he was really hungry, to see if he really, really wanted what Elijah had. Because time and time again, Elijah would say, Terry, here. And he says, no, 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 I'm going with you all the way. We see in verse number, and we see when we get down to verse number eight once again. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they and they divided hither and thither. And so, catch this: they too went over on dry ground. He was following this man of God everywhere. Why? So he can get as much as he can from him while he could. The conversation even came up this week. We love Brother David. I still miss my brother. But the conversation came up, Mr. Rima. I wish I'd have spent more time with him. He had so much that I could have learned. And when that hit me, I thought, oh, right here. That's what Elijah was doing. That's what Elijah was doing with Elijah. He was, he was yoked up together with his brother and he was yoked up together with the man of God and he wanted to learn. He wanted to glean as much as he could. He wanted to watch him. He wanted to listen to everything that he had to say. Why? Because it was very important. And this man of God, has, he's experienced. He's been through things that Elijah hasn't yet. And Elijah has a lot of wisdom that he has to offer. And all Elijah had to do was stick with him. Learn from him. Glean from him. There was a process that was taking place before he got that double portion. There was a process that was taking place from after one place to the next, Gilgal unto Bethel. And then as they traveled down the Jericho and then traveled down the Jordan, get this, they walked and talked all along the way. Walking with somebody on long distance is great, but not when nobody says a word. That would be awkward, amen? You ever travel with somebody and they don't say nothing at all? It's like somebody say something, start a conversation, amen? And now if I get in the car and I'm not driving, I'm sleeping, I'm not gonna lie. I'll confess. And what make it, you know, it makes a long, how many of you have been driving and everybody in the car is asleep? Everybody in the car is snoring besides you and you're like, oh, I wish. Oh, you just wanna tap the brakes, turn the radio up, roll the windows down, just something to get them. Go, oh, hey. How you doing? You're, you waking up? Okay, yeah. You know, that makes for a long trip. These two commune the whole way. And we know that. We see that right here. Look at verse number 11. And it came to pass as they went on, what's the next two words? And talked. And talked. So get this. Elijah was instructing. Elijah was pouring in unto Elijah. He was pouring in as much as he could because he knew he was very soon. He was on the cusp of being taken out of this world. And as he was going along the way, Elijah wanted as much as he can get. He said, I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving your side. And then I began to think about my life. I thought about how God orchestrated for me and my wife to go to this little church, the one right down the hill over 11 years ago. And the Lord directed our paths and crossed our paths with Calvary Baptist Church. And yes, it took three services. Amen. I'm stubborn. The Lord worked on me on the first service, second service, third service. And I finally, finally got, got right. Amen. I realized I was lost in need of a savior and I got saved. Me and my wife, both of us got saved and brother Ronald Looney, I don't see him here tonight, but he was able to take his Bible and show us the Romans road, show us a savior who loves us, who a savior who died on the cross for us. And I'm so thankful for that man of God. 
was able to take his Bible and show me that. But you see, a process began to happen in my life. You see, just like Elijah here, when he got down to the point and Elijah was getting ready to be taken away, he asked for that double portion, right? But prior to that, there was some instruction. There was some pouring into one another as they were going down the road. And I think back in my life how all of a sudden, once we got into Calvary Baptist Church and we got plugged into God and me and my wife, both of us got saved and the miraculous transformation that happened in my life, what happened was God placed some people in my life. God put somebody in my life, two specific people, our pastor and his son. Zach Pope. It's like all of a sudden it, it was it was it was almost it was nothing but nothing short of the work of, of God. How God knitted Brother Zach and our hearts together. And what happened was we went with Zach everywhere. Hey, Brother Brandon, we got a youth activity coming up. Hey, brother, I'm there. If you need my help, let me know. I assisted every time that I could. Asked my wife. We went everywhere. We this was prior to kids. I mean, it was a lot easier then. Just just up and leave. <laughs> But it was amazing to watch God do something in my life. And what it was, God put me and Zach together. The brother Brandon you see standing before you today, I didn't get here on my own. Number one, it was God. But God placed people in my life who invested, who poured into me, who poured into my life. And I clinged with Zach. My wife with Miss Amber. And they poured into us and they poured into us and they poured into us. He knew all the things about the church and about the ministry. You see, because somebody poured into his life and his name was Stephen Pope. You see, somebody poured into Zach's life and Zach was able to begin to pour into my life. And all of a sudden, God knit us together for many years in the ministry. As a youth worker, we went to a youth rally uh, and the Lord called me to be a preacher. To preach the gospel. I was scared to death. Zach said, brother, you'll be fine. If the Lord puts you there and he's calling you, he will equip you. Some of y'all get that. If he's called you somewhere in whatever ministry that he's calling you for, he will equip you for the task at hand. But God did something great with me and Zach. And I love it. I love my brother to death. And I thank God every chance that I can because he poured into me. Fast forward a little bit more. We go to a spiritual leadership conference in California. Zach comes back from that spiritual leadership conference. A month or so goes by and I get a phone call from Brother Zach. Hey, brother. Hey, Brother Brandon. And all of a sudden, it's like his, his spirit bear witness with my spirit. And I just simply asked him, I said, when are you leaving? I had no clue. I said, when are you leaving, brother? He said, what do you mean? Who'd you talk to? I said, when are you leaving? He said, man, God's burdened me to go to California to plant a church. I said, man, that is exciting. We're going to miss you. That's what was taking place right here. The man of God was pouring into the younger servant, Elijah, and he stuck with him all the way through, all the way until Zach left. We stuck together. We learned from one another. He would teach me about the ministry. I would teach him about carpentry or fixing the house or fixing something automotive. I knew all those things, but I knew nothing about the ministry. I knew nothing about youth. I knew nothing about the choir, all these things. And as Zach, as Zach answered the call to go to California, I looked at preacher. And I was like, preacher, I said, man, I said, who's going to? Who's going to take over the choir? Who's going to take over the youth? Who's going to do this? And who's going to... 
He looked at me and said, pray about it. <laughs> I want you to love our pastor, amen. I love, I love our preacher. He said, you pray about it. I thought, oh, I can't do none of this. And I still can't, barring he helps me because I can't do anything in my own strength. But you see, that's what, that's what was happening right here. As Elijah would say, Terry here, they can use you here. Oh, you can do great miracles here. You can work. You can instruct. You can help people here. He says, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm not going to stay here because I want to go with you all the way, all the way to the end. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. Listen, uh, so we see in verse number 11, they talked all the way. We know they talked all the way. And it came, in verse number 11, and it came to pass as they still went on and talked. We see it laid out for us that Elijah could and did learn a lot from Elijah all the way there. I mean, I could only imagine the conversations that were taking place. Maybe we'll, get, maybe we'll get to hear just a little bit of that when we get on the other side, amen, when we get to heaven. Maybe we can rewind some of these great stories and really get in-depth and hear the conversations that Elijah was having with Elijah before he passes off the scene. They had to be in-depth because ultimately he asked for a double portion because he saw something great in that man of God. And he says, I got to have it. I got to have it. But God, I want you to do something bigger in my life. Which is going to take us to the next point here. Very quickly, number two, the picking up of the mantle. We see in verse number 11, and it came to pass, follow along with me in verse number 11, and it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind, continued down in verse number 12, and Elijah saw it. And he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took a hold of his own clothes and rent them in two. In verse number 13, and he took up also the mantle. Get this. He took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. We see now Elijah receiving this double portion that he had asked for because he saw, he saw, he saw it happen. Therefore, he was going to receive that double portion. Therefore, he was going to get exactly what he asked for. He wanted what Elijah had, but he wanted more of it. He said, God, I, I see and I've heard all the great things that Elijah has done. God, could you use someone like me? And if you would, would you give me more? I want to do greater things. I would, not to boast in his own name, but to lift up God. He said, I want that double portion. I see what he has. I see what he's done. I've seen how you use him, God. Can you use me? And as he picks up the mantle and as he sees Elijah being taken up, we see that he gained what he asked for. Now he was prepared. The process has ended. The process has now ended and now he is prepared to go back through the same cities that they just traveled through that Elijah said, Terry here, Terry here, Terry here, Terry here. Now he gets to go back through these same cities, but with a double portion of what Elijah had. 
We pick back up the, the scripture here in verse number 14. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither. And Elijah went over. I wonder where he learned that one from. I wonder where he learned how to take the mantle and smite the waters. Oh, it just happened as he was walking and talking and learning from Elijah. Verse number 15, and when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elijah. Get this now. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. Verse 16, and they said unto him, behold, now there be with thee uh, servants, 50 strong men. Let them go, we pray thee, and seek thy master, lest peradventure the spirit of the Lord hath taken him up and cast him onto some, uh, upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, ye shall not send. He said, don't send them. Don't send the men after Elijah. Elijah's gone. The Lord carried him away in a whirlwind. You were watching from afar off. You saw the event that just took place. And now you're there. They're worried. They're like, no, no, no. Maybe the Lord just picked him up and moved him on a mountain. No, no, no. Maybe they just took him, took Elijah over here and put him in a valley. Look at what it says here. And he says, hey, you shall not sin. Verse 17. And when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, send. And they sent there forth 50 men, and they sought three days, but found him not. Verse 18, and when they came again unto, and when they came again to him, for he tarried at Jericho, he said unto them, did I not say unto you, go not? That's almost like I told you so, you ain't going to find him. He ain't, he's not on the mountaintops, he's not in the valley somewhere, he's gone. His work is complete. His race is run. He instructed the last instruction that he was to give, and now he is taken up. We see these 50 prophets, they weren't ready for a change. Think about it. They weren't ready for Elijah to leave. They didn't want Elijah to go. They weren't ready for the change. They wanted to keep doing the same old things the same way. And they saw Elijah, but they were comfortable with Elijah. They knew Elijah. They, they, were, they were used to his ways. So because of the familiarity, instead of wanting to move forward, they wanted to go back to what was comfortable to them. They wanted to do what was familiar. Fear of the unknown kept them from going forward. Fear caused them to go back and look for Elijah. They they were looking for their comfort zone. For three days they looked. For three days they searched for Elijah. For three days these 50 men in the mountains and in the valleys looking for Elijah. And after three days they come back to Jericho and Elijah was there. And Elijah said, did I not say not go? You're not going to find him. Don't go backwards. God wants to do something new. He wants to continue on the work. Elijah was taken away and these men were worried that the work would cease, I believe. They were worried that since Elijah's gone, oh, who's going to go next? Who's going to be the next Elijah? We, Elijah was a great man. Elijah done a lot of great things and, and now he's not here. We got to go find him. Now he's not here. We got to go look in the mountains. We got to look down here. We got to look everywhere. Now they knew that something had happened to Elijah. 
Did you catch that when we read it? They saw him and they knew something was different, but they still wanted to search after Elijah. You see, these that went and looked for Elijah knew what had happened. It was almost like they didn't want to accept it. They they didn't want to accept that he was leaving. They didn't want to accept the change. They didn't want to accept that Elijah just stepped off the scene and stepped out into eternity. They didn't want to accept it. They knew about Elijah's ministry and how God used him and they wanted him back. And we as the church have been going through a change as well. And for many years, God has saw fit to pull choice individuals out of this church to go plant a church here, to go plant a church here. All across the United States, dotted throughout the United States, are people who God has chosen from this church that were in a great work, in a great ministry, involved in the work. Listen, and God saw fit to choose them to go. But let's not panic as the 50 did, going, oh no. They're leaving. They're gone. Now what? Now what? Now what, God? Now what? Well, without them here, who's going to do that? Now without him here, that's what, that was the fear that was settling in then. They're like, Elijah's gone. Elijah's gone. Elijah's gone. But Elijah had already went through the process, and he was ready for the task. He was ready for the task at hand. Understand that Elijah was now dealing with folk that had a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. They didn't, they didn't understand everything that was going on. Uh, but they didn't want to accept it almost. They wanted to search after him as he was leaving, as he departed. Uh, but now we see Jericho is a place called Pleasant, but there was no life, rather no new life in it. Let's look at our scripture again in verse number 19. So after he gets on to them, he says, listen, I told you not to go find him because you're not going to find him. In verse number 19, I want you to look at it with me. And the men of that city said unto Elijah, Behold, I pray thee, the situation of this city is pleasant. As my Lord seeth, but the water is not. And the ground barren. We see something here in verse number 19. This brings me to my last point. We see a picture of the church. Hang with me. You see a picture of the church. As the men in that city would come unto Elijah, they would say, hey, behold, I pray thee, the situation of the city is pleasant. It's pleasant to look upon. It's, it's pleasant. But listen, but listen, as the Lord saith, but the water is not and the ground barren, meaning it can't reproduce. It's not reproducing. Why? Because the water is not. Get this now. Now hang on with me. Water in the picture. Water in the Bible is a picture of the Holy Spirit. These men come to Elijah and they say the spirit is not or it is bad. It is worthless. It is of no value. But hang on with me. And they said the situation is pleasant. It, It looks good, but nothing is producing here. The ground is barren. But look at verse number 20. And he said, bring me. What's the next three words? A new cruise. And put salt therein. And they brought it unto him. Now we see in verse number 20, this new cruise. Why a new cruise? Hang with me. It had to be a new cruise. It had to be a new vessel, a new vessel, a new cruise, which represents the next generation. 
the next generation, those that would come forth. It represents those that are willing to be used by God in this next move, and they are not trying to ride the coattails of their predecessors, but those that are willing to do a new thing, this new cruise. And then he said, put the salt therein, which represents the Word of God. Get this and hang on with me. When you get a new cruise and you get the Word of God in you, look at verse number 21, and he went forth unto the spring of the waters and cast the salt in. And he said, thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters, there shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. Verse 22, so the waters were healed unto this day according to the saying of Elijah which he had spake. Listen now, if we take verse 21 and Elijah said, he cast the, the salt in the water and the waters were healed. Get this, if you apply the spirit and the word, change will take place. Change will take place when you apply the spirit and the word. And after Elijah had brought about this change at Jericho, the church, if you would, and now the church gets right, it can now change the world and bring forth life. We're done tonight. In closing, let me bring everything into perspective, what we spoke on. If I could get Brother Mike Horn to come up here. Brother Mike Hill, if you could make your way up here. In closing tonight, let me help you with something. Let's bring everything that was said tonight into full perspective. A visual, if you will, right in front of our own eyes. Tim, can you come up here for me on this side? Both mics over here. You can turn around and face, face the congregation for me. <laughs> All right. We see on one side we have our Elijahs. Get this, church. On this side, we have our Elijahs. We have those men who have studied, who have preached, who have taught, who have invested in others' lives, who have given their everything to further the gospel. Pastor churches, handed out gospel tracts, given their everything. But church, understand, these men aren't always going to be around. It is appointed unto man once to die. We understand this. We don't know when we're going to draw our last breath. These men have given their everything to preach the gospel, to give, to pour out, to invest. I go to the rest home and hear Brother Mike every, other, every third Sunday, and now it'll be every, almost every other Sunday, and I'm excited about that. He has so much knowledge that he has to give. Brother Mike, both Mikes have so much knowledge more than I'll ever get, I believe, in my lifetime. They have studied the Word. They have labored in the Word for years and years and years. And God has done great things with these men and many others. I think about Brother Looney. I think about Brother Charles Jones. These men have weathered the test of time and have stood faithful for the gospel. Stood faithful. These church are our Elijahs. And I would have Brother David up here, Mr. Ema, because he invested in my life as well. But you see, God saw fit to call him home. His race was run. We don't understand why or why could it be longer, but his race was run. But we still have men who are proclaiming the gospel, who are laboring in the word, who are studying 
And you and I have the opportunity. Get this. And it is an opportunity for you and I to yoke up and say, brother, can you teach me? What, what happened when you was pastoring the church in Florida? You know, what, what happened then? What happened there? Brother Mike, can you teach me? You see, we can watch these men. We can listen to these men as they speak and how they, how they interact with one another. We can glean from them. Those were all Elijahs. Here's an Elijah who for years has yoked up under great men, have studied and have learned. And now it's his turn to pick up the mantle and go to California. It hurts, Brother Tim. We talked about it. We don't want you to go. But there's a great need. And God's prepared you. You went through the process not for Union Grove. You went through the process not for, not for Iredale County. You went through the process, brother. God's calling you to California. Here's where the rubber meets the road. Right now. Who's going to pick up the mantles? Who's going to pick up the mantle? Who's going to pick up David's mantle? Who's going to pick up Tim's? Who's going to pick up Mike and Mike? Who's going to pick up these mantles? They're going to fall and there's going to be a void. There's going to be a gap as there was with Elijah. And these 50 went and sought and sought and sought. They said, no, no, we don't want him to go. Tim, we don't want you to go. Brother Mike, brother, we don't want you to go. But it's a point when the man wants to die. They're going to pass off the scene. And there's going to have to be some here at Calvary Baptist Church who are willing to step up, who are willing to say, God, I am nothing. I am nothing. I have nothing to bring. I have nothing to offer but of myself, a new vessel. And listen, if you are willing to just do that, offer yourself, He is willing to take it and use you. And there's no telling, no telling what God can do in your life. But you have to surrender. You have to be willing to say, these men are leaving the scene. These men are eventually going to be gone. And who's going to pick up the mantle? Who's going to run the race? Who's going to wave the flag of salvation? Who's going to pick up the banner of the cross and go and tell others? There has to be more. We need more laborers in the coming days. Today, God is looking for someone to, to pick up the mantle. It's time for the next generation to stop playing games and to get serious while we have time left. The only things that will last for eternity are those things that we do for Christ. These worldly pleasures that we have, these boats, these cars, these houses, all they're wonderful, they're enjoyable for a season. But listen, we have an eternity where we'll be with our Savior and the rewards thereof that we gain upon this earth. Listen, where your heart is, there, there's your treasure. Who's going to pick up the mantles tonight? Abel, go ahead and make your way to the piano. Who tonight is going to pick up the mantle? God wants to do a new thing here at Calvary Baptist Church as choice men are being chosen out. But who's willing to pick up the mantle and go forth that will not compromise? 
God needs Elijahs that will expose and deal with sin. God needs Elijahs that will pick up the mantle and raise the standards of holiness. God needs Elijahs that will die to self and to self-centeredness and will say, Here am I, Lord. Send me. I will go. God needs Elijahs who fear the Lord and not man. God needs Elijahs that worship in the Spirit and in truth and move beyond spectatorship and entertainment. God's looking for someone today to pick up the mantle. He is searching and searching for someone, but who is willing? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Abel, you began to play softly. God needs Elijahs who fear the Lord and not man. God needs some Elijahs tonight who will say, for God I live and for God I die. I don't know who it was tonight that needed to hear this. It may have been just me. It may have been just for me. Men, women, we don't have long on this earth, I believe. The Lord's coming is very soon. And we need to get busy for the Lord. We have to pick up these mantles. Pick up the gospel. Pick up the Bible. Study, study, study. And go forward in these days. We've been through some hard, trying times. As God has saw fit to pull people out. To send people away and to call people home. But who is willing to go forward next? There has to be some. There has to be some who are willing to make a choice in their own lives. Saying, God, whatever it is. <laughs> you may be sitting there in your seat right now. So, Brother Brandon, you don't understand. I have nothing, literally nothing to offer the Lord. I have no talents. I can't sing nor play. Oh, I can't speak without stuttering. I get nervous. I may pass out, Brother Brandon. You don't understand. God doesn't care what you have to offer, but yourself is all He is looking for. He is just looking for one, a willing vessel to be used. Let Him do the rest. He will do the filling up of the talents, and He will give you all what you need to get the task done. We look at our inability when God just wants our availability. Who is it tonight that you need to make a decision? That you're tired of playing games. You're tired of just playing church and just going through the motions of religion. And you're ready to do something for God. You're ready to make a change, not only in your life, but invest in others. There has to be some who will pick up the mantles as they fall. How about it tonight? Is God dealing with your heart about a ministry, about a place? You say, Brother Brandon, you just, you just don't understand. I can't. I can't. I can't. And can I say you're right? In your own strength, you can't. But God wants to do something great.
in each of our lives here tonight. From the youngest person in here to the oldest. Yeah. So Brother Brad and I, I'm up in age. I'm not a young buck anymore. It doesn't matter. Age is nothing but a number that we put on ourselves. God doesn't say when you get 30, you can't serve me. God didn't say when you get 35 and 40, you can't serve me. You're washed up. You're done. God, God didn't put an age limit. He didn't put a cap on it. He didn't say you have to meet all these requirements to serve me. There is but one requirement to serve the Lord, and that is availability. Get rid of everything of ourselves because we stand in the way of God doing something great with each one of us. I look across this room and see so much potential. I look across this room and I see potential. Potential what, Brother Brandon? Potential missionaries. Potential preachers. Potential evangelists. Potential Sunday school teachers. Potential hospitality team. Potential that you fill in the blank. God just wants you to be willing to be used by Him. And what an opportunity that God would not only save us, oh, but church, He wants to use us. He wants to use you tonight. We didn't preach to the lost necessarily, but there may be one here under the sound of my voice that is lost. You don't understand anything that we've talked about tonight. There may be one here tonight who is lost and undone without Jesus Christ. I would beg you and implore you, let tonight be the night that that changes. Let tonight be that change in your life. That you would call out to Jesus to save you from an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. Church, how about it tonight? Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment. Just a moment. Do as God has laid upon your heart to do tonight. But I leave you one more time with the question, who will pick up the man? Who is willing to say, I'll go, send me? Lord, I want to do your will. I'll go wherever it is that you want me to go. I'll be a witness wherever you want, wherever you place me. Who is it tonight that says, I'm tired of trying to do things in my own strength? I'm, try, I'm tired of trying to serve the Lord in my own strength. And I'm going to give everything I have unto you. Use me as you will. Use me as you will. You see, God will take you and he'll use you. He'll equip you for the ministry that he has laid out for you. All he wants is a willing vessel. One that's willing to make a change and move forward. We're going to pause for just one more moment. Do business with God as he is dealing with you. If God's tugging on your heart, the Holy Ghost is poking and prodding you, saying, take that first step. 
You know what you need to do. God is dealing with you. Make that move. Amen. Amen. Let's make that move down. Don't wait. Don't wait. If he's knocking, let him in. Oh, God's got big plans. I'm just so thankful I'm a part of it. I'm so thankful that God was willing to use someone like me. He said, Brother Brandon, you probably had the perfect upbringing. Oh, if you only knew the bad things I've done in my life, the mistakes that I've made, the blunders in my life that I wish I could go back and erase, the mistakes I've made during the ministry. But all of it, all of it was a process. All of it was a process to get me to here, to where I am today. Not of my own, but thanks be unto God. And you likewise, God's placed you here for a specific purpose and a specific reason. Oh, seek his face and find that reason and just sell out. If I can leave you with one thing tonight, it's sell out. Sell out, lock, stock, and barrel. Sell out tonight. 